Welcome to the CC Broadcast, a part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministries. This week we'll be hearing from our radio preacher, Reverend Steve Kramer, as he continues his series, Seeing Jesus Through the Eyes of John, with today's message, He's Above All. His birthday is only a week from tomorrow. What things about Jesus will you be rejoicing in as you celebrate his birth? As we conclude our sermon series entitled Seeing Jesus Through the Eyes of John the Baptist, John offers us some valuable insights about this guest of honor that will help us to appreciate and trust him all the more. So we begin our worship in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, you called John the Baptist to give witness to the coming of your Son and to prepare his way. Grant to your people the wisdom to see your purpose and openness to hear your will, that we too may witness to Christ's coming, and so prepare the way for his return in majesty and glory. Amen. Today's reading is from John chapter 1, verse 25. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification, and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets seal to this, that God is true. 
For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives his spirit without measure. The Father loves his Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The disciples of John the Baptist were very concerned. His audience was shrinking. The numbers were going down. Earlier on, everybody came out to the wilderness to hear John and be baptized. Jesus' ministry seemed to be growing. Now they were going to this new preacher on the scene instead of John. So they came to John and commented or perhaps complained about this competition, the new guy on the scene. Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. In other words, aren't you worried or bothered by this, John? 
But John shook his head and basically said, all ministry and blessing comes from God, so there can be no competition. I know my place in God's plans. I am the preparer for Jesus. That's the job God has given me. My ministry is affirmed by his arrival. If all men are going to Jesus, then this is good. After all, I told you before, I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. And then John goes on to use a uh, wedding analogy to drive home his point. He says, I'm his best man. He's the bridegroom who's come for his bride. Once the bride and bridegroom have been brought together, the work of the best man is completed, and so he rejoices. Can you imagine me, the best man, trying to upstage the bride and groom? The one I've been telling you about has now arrived, so I'm happy about it. I'm happy to see him and hear the voice of the long-awaited Messiah, the Christ. I'm rejoicing. By the way, the image of the bridegroom would have been quite significant to those Jewish listeners, for God's relationship was uh, with Israel likened to a marriage covenant in the writings of the prophets who spoke on behalf of the Lord. God was described as a husband, and Israel his wife, who was constantly being unfaithful to him and breaking his heart. Upon hearing about a bridegroom, John's disciples might just have wondered, wait a minute, is John saying that Jesus is God? Well, then John goes on to say, and conclude, actually, he, he must increase, but I must decrease. He's the star of the show, not me. This is the way God planned it. That's God's will. Jesus is a Christ, and I'm the one sent to prepare things for him. And then John says, in the rest of this text, when I look at Jesus, this is what I see. This is what God, through the Holy Spirit, has revealed to me about Jesus. Number one, Jesus is above all, preeminent. He surpasses all things. And why is that? Because Jesus comes from above, heaven. Jesus left the courts of heaven to dwell among his people as one of us. I'm reminded of John the Gospel writer's opening words where he writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Jesus, you see, is preexistent. Uh, he's divine, part of the Trinity, the Godhead. He and the Holy Spirit were actually present at the creation of the world and in all that followed that. He's always existed. So he is above all and worthy of our worship, trust, and obedience. What amazing love has been shown to us in God's incarnation. Max Lucado, in his book, God Came Near, eloquently reflects on this truth in his description of the birth of Jesus. He writes, Majesty in the midst of the mundane, holiness in the filth of manure and sweat, divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable, through the womb of a teenager and in the presence of a carpenter. This baby had overlooked the universe these rags keeping him warm were the, were the robes of eternity. His golden throne room had been abandoned in favor of a sheep pen. 
and worshipping angels had been replaced with kind but bewildered shepherds. So, Jesus is above all, preeminent over everything in this universe. Since Jesus came from heaven, he represents the Father. In fact, he said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's God in the flesh. And God affirmed that statement on Easter morning when he raised Jesus back to life and exalted him. So with that truth in mind, here's another thing that is true of Jesus that John reflects on. Jesus knows what he's talking about when he talks about God and life. Why? John says, because he bears witness to what he has seen or heard from our Heavenly Father. What Jesus offers us is first-hand information. So his testimony, of course, is to be taken seriously and received and trusted and obeyed. In fact, John goes on to say, he whom God has sent, Jesus, utters the words of God himself. Jesus could well have said, he who hears me, hears the Father. So there's no more guessing about God then. All has been revealed through the words of Jesus. So Jesus is above all, and he knows what he's talking about when he talks about God. The third thing John adds is, I say that he's uttering the words of God because he gives the Spirit without measure. He, meaning God, has given to Jesus an immeasurable anointing of the Holy Spirit, in contrast to John and all the prophets of God in the Old Testament who had a limited measure of the Spirit. John had stated earlier in this gospel that he baptized with water, but one who has come will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And if and at Jesus' baptism, John saw the Spirit descend and remain on Jesus and he heard God announce, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. He is above all. He knows what he's talking about when he talks about God. It's first-hand information. He's filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. And finally, John hits the apex of his testimony about Jesus. He's the Father's beloved Son, to whom God has given all things into his hand. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is the Son of God, with God-given authority over everything that exists. He has the final say. After giving this lofty description of Jesus, then, John says, there are two things you can do with this Son of God from above. There are two paths a person can take with two different destinations. Listen to his words again. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You have two choices, and every person must pick one or the other, for there is no neutrality with Jesus. First, you can believe in him. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? It's not just about some intellectual assent to a doctrine. It's about trusting him with your life. There's this old illustration that I've used that will help us understand this matter of believing in Jesus. I think you'll find it helpful. 
The story is told of a man who was going to walk a tightrope across Niagara Falls, pushing a wheelbarrow in front of him. The crowd gathered on the day to witness this risky endeavor. The wind was blowing mightily. It whipped the rope back and forth. As the time for the walk grew close, the crowd began to give out its advice. Don't try this. You'll never make it. But then one man jumped from the crowd and approached the tightrope walker, saying to him, Go ahead. Make the walk. You can do it. I believe in you. And to this encouragement, the tightrope walkers replied with an invitation. Okay, if you believe in me so strongly, get in the wheelbarrow and come with me. Believing in Jesus is not a detached intellectual confidence. It's a personal involvement and trust which links the believer and the object of belief, who is Jesus, into a kind of a unity, a personal relationship. It's walking with him, entrusting your life to his care. The other choice about Jesus, though, is to reject him, to not obey the Son's call to believe in him, as John says. Many people wouldn't receive Jesus then, and there are still many who don't believe in him now. They refuse to involve themselves with him or follow him as Lord and Savior or hear what he has to say. Well, John points out that each choice has a different outcome. To believe is to receive eternal life. That's a new life with God as his child. To all who receive him, he gives power to become the children of God. You become a part of God's family. You're forgiven of your sins and restored back into a relationship with God that begins immediately and lasts eternally. To reject him is eternal death. Being under the wrath of God, bound for hell, eternally separated from God. So there's John the Baptist's witness to us about Jesus, whose birth the world will be observing once again. He's above all because he's from above. When he speaks, they are the words of God. He is the anointed one giving, uh, given God's Holy Spirit and the beloved Son with all authority over all things. So here's a personal question I need to ask you. What are you doing with this Jesus who was born in Bethlehem in order to save you from sin and death and give you eternal life? Have you received him as your Savior and Lord? Have you asked him into your life, gotten into the wheelbarrow with him, entrusting your life to his care and leadership? You see, this is a life and death matter, and it demands a decision about Jesus from every one of us. Reject him or receive him. Oh, how he longs to be received and asked into every person's life. Uh, to, to move us from the state of lostness to being found. I'm reminded of these insightful words of Christian writer Cory Ten Boom. She said, if Jesus were born a thousand times in Bethlehem and not in me, then I would still be lost. So I plead with you today, don't be lost. Don't stand on the sideline refusing to believe in him and follow him as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. For Jesus is not just one among many prophets, as some say, or history's noblest citizen, or a great teacher or philosopher, as others say. 
He far surpasses all those titles. He is the Son of God from above, your Savior and mine, calling us to follow him. Perhaps you've heard this quote from C.S. Lewis, that great Christian apologist, but let's review it again. He writes, A man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this Jesus was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being simply a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. In Christ alone, friend, is eternal life. So follow him. Trust him with your life. Ask him to enter in. Worship him. Rejoice in him. Serve him. For he is worthy of all those things. And let us never forget or take for granted the cost of this gift of eternal life that we receive through faith in Jesus. The cost for us to be born again into God's family was that Jesus had to die. The cost for us to enter into a loving, saving relationship with God the Father was Jesus, the Son, having to endure the hatred and condemnation of men and the judgment of God. The cost of entering into uh, life eternal was he had to be lifted up on the cross and die so that we might eternally live as God's forgiven children. And God raised him from death to life as an affirmation of all that Jesus said and did. And this bridegroom is coming again someday, you know, this time not as a helpless babe in the squalor of a stable, but in majesty and power and glory. He's coming to take his bride, the redeemed believers, his church, to himself, to live with him forever. And what a great and glorious day that will be. And so we pray. Each day, not just at Christmas, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, we await to see you face to face and dwell with you in your kingdom forever and ever. Amen. My faith has found a resting place not in device nor creed I trust the ever living one his wounds for me shall plead enough for me that Jesus saves this ends my fear and doubt a sinful soul I come to him he'll never cast me out I need no other argument I need no other plea it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This is Matt Reister, Executive Director for Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry. Thanks for tuning in to today's broadcast. We're here to proclaim Jesus Christ as Redeemer of the world and to promote the truth of God's Word. In addition to this weekly broadcast, we want to mention two podcasts which you can listen to for free on our website, ChristianCrusaders.org, or on our mobile app, the Christian Crusaders app, which can be downloaded from the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. The CC Podcast Daily Dose features short devotions from an overview of the Bible and the CC podcast conversations features inspiring interviews with interesting Christians. In fact, here are some excerpts from those interviews. Here's Ron Gruber, a former motorcycle gangster and murderer. But I grabbed that thing and after I, I got myself psyched to a point, and I mean I cracked that hammer back and put it against my head and I I heard it just like you and me are talking. Don't kill yourself with that gun. You kill yourself with me. This is Christian singer-songwriter Michael W. Smith. You know, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's one, that's, and you don't like God to humble you, and I've been there. It's not fun. I'd rather do it myself. And here's Michael W.'s fellow Christian artist, Stephen Curtis Chapman. And mm. I feel like when people say, man, your music has encouraged me in my faith journey, it always just reminds me again of 
how God can use just about anything. You know, he can use Amen. a hillbilly from Kentucky. And here's former Hawkeye and current NFL player Ike Butker. I just remember running routes. Me and this this one other kid are running routes. I don't like to talk great about myself, but I destroyed anybody that they put up against me. Like, <laughs> I, dro- I didn't drop a single pass. You can listen to those interviews and over 60 others, as well as our daily Bible overview devotion and this broadcast, along with archive broadcasts from former preachers on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or on our free mobile app. Today you've been listening to the broadcast transmission of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministries. We're one of America's longest-running radio ministries on the air since 1936. We are completely donor-funded, and donations are tax-deductible. They can be sent to 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613, or made online at christiancrusaders.org. Thank you for tuning into this broadcast. We'll be here again next week at the same time. And until then, may God richly bless you.